And welcome to another episode of Deal Talk. I'm Deal. Let's talk. Uh, my guest of the evening is an author. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome William R. Douglas, the author of Death and Resurrection of Baseball. Thanks, Deal, for having me on your show. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, it's an honor. It's an honor. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm outstanding, actually. <laughs> so That's great. That's great. Yeah, I had a I had a little medical test uh earlier today and I got the results back and it's all good. So um oh, God, bless. Happy. God bless. God bless. God bless. I meant to that. That's yeah. the most important part. Thank you. Thank you. So so tell me what inspired you to to uh write this book because it, it's uh you have you you gave it a title. It's a very interesting title. The yes. death and resurrection of I baseball. Know. The title is a real grabber. Yes. So um well it's a it's a futuristic novel it takes place uh, 140 years in the future and what has happened is that uh, uh the sport of baseball has died and mm-hmm. has become extinct and specifically uh in our time 40 years from now a second american civil war has led to the final uh, death of the sport it's a proverbial nail in the coffin and uh fast forward 100 years from then and our hero is a 12 year old boy by the name of joe scott and he lives in the city of McHenry here where i live and uh he goes exploring uh in the woods of an old battlefield uh from the time of the war which in his time is 100 years in the past and he finds a relic uh, from before the war that winds up having a tie back to the uh, extinct game of baseball. And a sequence of events begins to occur where he becomes the conduit of trying to resurrect the game of baseball because there's no one alive that has any memory of the sport uh, whatsoever. Wow. Um, the idea for the for the story came about a couple of things. Uh, one. Uh, was an article that I read uh, several years ago about games that kids used to play before the American Civil War of the 1860s. And those games are extinct and they become lost to history. And uh, so that uh, kind of planted a seed in me once to be kind of interesting to, to write a novel, you know, somewhere, something along those lines. And, but at the time, I didn't know it was going to be baseball. That happened later. Uh, what happened later was, uh, uh, began to read stories about the the uh, popularity of baseball, particularly at the youth level, has continued to trend uh, downward. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a trend that's been going on for several years now. And um, so finally, I had a what if idea, you know, what if this downward trend in the popularity of baseball were to continue taken out 40 years from now and, 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 and the sport actually dies. Uh, and then that's, that was the, uh, the foundation of the story of the book was that uh, the sport dies indeed 40 years from now. Uh, again, there's a second war that, uh, that helps uh, really seal its fate. And then a hundred years later, this, this young boy comes along and, and becomes the conduit to try and restore the sport to uh, to America's uh, culture and lexicon. Wow, that's that's amazing. It's, it's quite a journey. 
Um, was it did it take you quite some time to write it or, or as soon as you got you got inspired, it, it was just smooth sailing? Yeah, it, it, the actual writing part took four years. So I began in September of 2016. I finished in uh, September of 2020 during the first year of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, I think I was probably with a lot of people that uh, that had a, a, a either a book started or wanted to write a book, and they took advantage of that. Yes, time yes, to, yes, yes. Uh, to put it all together, so. Uh, so uh, four years to write it, uh, about another year to go through the editing process and and uh, and then getting ready to uh, get it published. Um, prior to starting to write in 2016, there were several other inputs uh, that uh, also seeded the storyline. One was uh, uh, back in the 90s, 1990s, I read uh, David Aikman's novel, When the Almond Tree Blossoms. Uh, David Aikman was a uh, uh, foreign senior foreign correspondent for the New York to, for the New York Times, mm-hmm. and um, he wrote a book again called "When the Almond Tree Blossoms." It was a, a fiction story about a second civil war that's based on uh, the cultural divide uh, between liberals and conservatives, and uh, that was a very powerful read for me that really stuck with me because. Uh, I think if you go back in time, you can really look at the 1990s as the beginnings of our current cultural divide and, and, and divisiveness here in America right now, particularly when you when you talk about the political divisions. Yeah. Uh, another novel I read uh, much later, uh, probably about seven years ago, was uh, William Fortune's novel, One Second After. That was also a fiction novel that came out about an EMP attack on the United States that uh, cripples the country. So uh, some elements from those those two novels were also important in in germinating the storyline that I have in in, in my novel, uh, The Death and Resurrection of Baseball. So at what point did you re- did you realize or, or you, you told yourself this is what I want to do regarding baseball what point did you connect the storyline with the actual with baseball yeah sure uh probably late 2015 early 2016 I started all these things started to coalesce in my mind about well what if baseball were to die how would it die how long would it take to die what external forces could come to bear against it to help uh, accelerate its demise. And uh, a couple of things that I came up with was the popularity of video games, uh, the accelerating popularity of of soccer. Mm -hmm. And lately in the game of lacrosse, the the game of lacrosse is really starting to gain, gain interest in the youth as well. Um, So all those things mixed together, uh, and, and then finally, in the summertime of uh, 2016, I pretty much had the the uh, the framework for the story in my mind, and uh, finally put down the words of chapter one, uh, starting wow. in September of 2016. Wow! And 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 to to uh, give it such name, you you have to be a, a baseball fanatic. Oh, yeah. Big baseball fan. I've been a baseball fan all my life. Uh, uh, kind of late in the game of writing. I'm, I'm 63. Hey, it's, uh, it's, it's never late. It's never late. Right? 
when I came of age in the sixties and just uh, it was still part of the golden era of baseball and uh, just played a lot, a lot of baseball every day, almost if I could Uh, played a lot of sandlot ball uh, to start out with. And it was that repetition playing sandlot ball where I, I really learned the game well and, began to hone the skills required to play the game and, and to have fun playing it. Wow. And, um, and then later on got involved in, in little league with my dad and my brother awesome. played a lot awesome. of little league. And then uh, later on uh, in my adult life, uh, got involved playing in a church softball league. So I, I continue to play ball, but it's a 12 inch uh, slow pitch softball. Hey, <laughs> I've been there. What what what's your favorite position to play? You know, uh, if we go back to the beginning, my favorite is as a youngster was uh, third base and left field mm. and pitching. And then later on, as an adult, uh, I've been pitching most of my my softball career. So I've enjoyed uh, being a pitcher. My best game uh, was a two hit shutout. <laughs> nice softball so nice, nice. I, had, I had a no hitter going through five innings and then uh, they finally got a couple of hits so oh man that was fun i i came in uh i don't know it was a fourth or fifth inning of that game and i sat down and one of my teammates whispered to the coach does the other side have any hits and the coach uh, it was a lady friend of mine she she put her finger up and she goes shh don't <laughs> <say anything. laughs> yeah i grew up uh I, I grew up in puerto rico so uh behind my house there was a basketball court and uh a baseball field uh-huh. so ma- majority of the time uh when we were when we weren't playing basketball we were playing softball yeah, yeah. and i remember uh there, there was a, a very long period of time in where like nobody played softball and like i want to say in a span maybe 10 12 years uh-huh. and then out of nowhere uh because we had access to the lights right uh you know i think it started either monday or tuesday right and where we just we started with a, a small like tennis ball right and you know because sure. we, were, we were poor we, we uh we uh we took a uh i think it was uh like some type of broomstick and then uh-huh. evolved to something else. And we start playing two base, you know, it was sure. second, third and home uh-huh. and it was small crowd. And then, you sure. know, I, you know, I want to say two weeks passed and more people started coming. The more people started coming, then people from other barrios started coming. And next thing you know, like the, the whole uh, city started a, a softball league. Oh, there you go. There you go. I take pride in yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we were we were somewhat similar. Uh, I had a large group of buddies growing up in in the town of Oak Lawn, Illinois, which is a a near a southwest suburb of the city of Chicago. And uh, there was an empty lot on the other side, uh, one block over, down at the corner, and we we went there and played a lot. We also played out in the street in front of our house, our our childhood home. Uh, fortunately, we had a, we always had access to a bat, but uh, sometimes we'd use a tennis ball, sometimes a rubber ball. Hey, you got to improvise just uh, to have fun. You know, sometimes a league ball, but the cover was shot, so you tape it up with electrical tape, you know. 
Yeah, uh, make it work. Make it work. Make it work. I, make it work. I, I get it. I get yeah. it. I've been there so many Pitcher's times. hand out, right field out, you know, the whole bit. The whole and bit. Sometimes, sometimes we'll play with no gloves. We had no gloves. Yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. whatever we had. I remember one time we took uh, uh, a yarn ball. ball mm-hmm. and, and because, you know, they come big, we just tape, their, tape it up with black tape. Sure. Yeah. And we put some, uh, I think, uh, duct tape. And right. we play like that. Right, make it work. So we we would play with a little, you know, two people on a side. So you know. yeah, but uh, we made That's it work. fun times. We had a fun. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, lot that's fun. the most important part. Yeah, I, I feel that a lot of this new generation, up and coming, um, they, you know, it's it's a lot of video games, a lot of tablets, a lot of cell phones. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all you know, I, I grew up very uh you know poor, but I could say I had a childhood. Yeah. You yeah. know, I could say we play how do you go seek, we play um tag, right? We played, sure. you know, sports. Yep. Same here, same right? here. My dad was a working a working class blue collar guy. He worked for uh American Airlines. Uh, we we grew up in a you know a small uh, three bedroom ranch house with a crawl space, uh, and a, and a, you know, a small detached garage, and and uh, yeah, we uh, you know we made it work. We made it work. Yeah, and and that's how we're supposed to, right? Make the best out of what we yeah. have, you yeah. know, and, and enjoy enjoy and recreate beautiful moments. Yeah, and you know. I, I'm not sure if it's because I'm, I'm getting older or I'm, I'm a follower already or just, you know, sometimes I sit and just look, you know, look through other people's eyes, see how the world's forming. And uh, man, if if I can, you know, go back and just relive what, you know, one moment, I, let me go play hide and seek with my friends. Let me go yeah. play tag because it's yeah. like it was so yeah. uh, innocent. Yes, it was an age of innocence for sure. For sure. You know, we were just kids. Uh, we would, particularly in the summertime where we lived, I mean, we would we would come home. Uh if we were still in school, we'd come home, do our homework, and then we'd be gone until supper time, and then we'd be out again till till uh, our parents call us in call us in for, for bedtime. But then when school was out, I mean we'd be gone the entire day. I mean, we might come home for lunch or or you know or whatever but uh you know it was just a, a time where you could do that you could go ride your bike you know a couple blocks over or down the street to uh yeah. a ball field and, and not have to worry about problems yeah 100 percent. i get it yeah now now while you were writing this book at any moment like did you get nostalgia did you did you oh did sure you- Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a particular scene in the book that's actually modeled after an event that I had uh, as a kid. And it's early in the book, so I, yeah, I don't mind sharing it with, with your listeners. But uh, Go ahead. Go right uh, ahead. when we were still playing Sandlot Ball, uh, one street over at the corner lot, I, uh, we had, a, like I said, we had, a, we had a group of friends and we'd play out every day. And this one uh, friend of mine, he challenged me. He says, "Hey, I'm going to strike you out. Let's go down to the lot. I want to pitch. I'm going to strike you out." I'm like, "Game on, bro. Let's go." 
So we got, uh, I got my brother together uh, with, with a couple of the guys. And we all go traipsing down in that field. And this guy, you know, he was so sure he was going to strike me out. So uh, he goes out to the mound, gets his warm-ups in. And uh, I step up to the plate. I really, I, I wish I could remember the count uh, or what pitch it was, but I, it's lost to history. It was, you know, 50 plus years ago. So, yeah. but he throws in a pitch and I connected with this thing. And I, you know, uh, it just, the you know, you want to talk about the launch angle. So this thing just took off. <laughs> Excuse me. And it cleared a row of trees. Uh, on the on the edge of the lot and went over the top of the trees and uh so i you know that was my my big moment to where you know i could you know run around the basin <laughs> nice about my fist in the air well uh almost identical story i put in the book where where the the hero uh joe scott uh does something similar so uh that was a uh, that was definitely a, a nostalgic moment that I put in the story that uh, happened to me personally. That's beautiful. That's, that's, that's beautiful. And, and like, is there now that you're, you know, you're, you're a little bit more older and you, you know, as you get older, you, you see things differently. Do you, do you realistically see in, in real life, right? A possible ending to like the, the end of baseball. Is that something that can be possible? Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to deceive your listeners. Uh, uh, you know, I don't think that immediately. And mm-hmm. when I say immediately, I like you know, definitely not next year, five years, ten years from now. Do I think that baseball could become extinct? And, and, and absolutely not. But here's what I see: that is a troubling trend that was a major contribution to the "what if" proposal that led to the story. Now, in youth ball, what's going on is there's two things that are happening in youth ball uh, that are very detrimental to the sport. Number one is sandlot ball has disappeared. You just don't go around a neighborhood and see kids playing ball in a ball field unless they're under adult supervision in a league. You just don't see pickup games of ball anymore. Uh, I'm not saying that Sandlot ball is totally dead everywhere. I don't, I don't have any evidence for that, but I do have evidence just from talking to a lot of people, uh, and, 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 and podcasters like yourself that, that are fans of the game that where they live, you know, they don't see kids playing ball in fields anymore. So that's one issue. The other issue is what I call either the city league or maybe you call it a house league where it's the local uh, uh, ball club league in the town where you live. Those leagues are seeing diminishing numbers of kids sign up to play ball. And a lot of those leagues have actually folded. They have vanished. Mm. Um, I was on the air a short time ago with a gentleman who grew up in the Detroit area, a town of 100,000 people. And he said that he had four little leagues when he was growing up. And uh, one in every compass heading. And now they're down to one. And uh, 
and that one is is barely surviving. And uh, just where I live, there was at one time uh, three little leagues uh, in the 1990s, late 1990s, when my son was was playing ball and I was a coach. And now we're down to one. And so, and when you go online and do research, you see this story repeating itself over and over across the country where the house leagues are diminishing in size or they're disappearing altogether. Now, what is happening is that travel ball has grown tremendously in popularity. But there's the problem with travel baseball. And the biggest problem, well, there's a couple of problems with travel baseball. Number one is that it cannot take on the numbers of a house league. Travel ball is typically a team of 12 to 15 kids. And you try out for it. And you have to be good enough to make the team. Otherwise, you get cut. Mm. So you try out. You don't make it. You get cut. Hopefully, there's a house league in town. Uh, if not, then you're out of luck. You, you've got nowhere to go to play ball. The other issues with travel ball is the cost. Uh, there's a cost involved that's significantly higher than a house league. Uh, and you're talking, you know, usually well over $1,200 for a child to play in a travel ball league. And that doesn't inc- include your travel expenses because a lot of times you're traveling out of town, you gotta, you gotta pay for a hotel, gas, food. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And then the other issue with that, obviously, is that affects the ability of of lower middle income to low income families from from being able to put a child into baseball yeah, because yeah. they the, the cost is a, is a serious issue. And so you take that you take that whole big thing all together and put that right here, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the issue of the increased popularity. Of, of video games, uh, the increased popularity of soccer uh, and other sports. Now, soccer in particular, I think, as it in- continues to explode in, in, in popularity, and when you look at it, you know, no offense to all the soccer fans out there, but when you, when you try and have a, a six- or seven-year-old kid stand at a home plate and a ball is traveling at, you know, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. And he has to try and hit it with a bat. And oh, by the way, the ball could hit you in the head and it might hurt or it might hit you in the shoulder or whatever. But Mm -hmm. that's a tough, that's a tough uh, thing to ask a kid to do versus going out on a soccer field and to learn how to kick a ball that's significantly larger than a baseball. Uh, again, no disrespect. There's still a lot of skill involved in playing soccer. Uh, I, I totally get it. Uh, I have grandkids that are involved in soccer, so no disrespect there. But when you, again, when you try to have a child trying to play baseball, uh, it, it's significantly harder, I think, for them to pick up the game, particularly hitting the ball, uh, than some other sports are. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I totally. So then, a, so then putting all that together, yeah, 40 years from now, you know, I mean, what happens? So, yeah, you have, yeah, the opportunity, you have a diminishing, yeah, diminishes. Pool, a diminishing pool of kids playing 
they grow up, and then you have a diminishing pool of adult fans that like the game. So now you have a diminishing fan base at the professional level. And so, you know, the idea of a what if to me is plausible. Uh, and so hence my story. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand the, the opportunity of, of a child uh, at least trying to play baseball yeah. has diminished in where it used to be a place in where you, you needed a break to take your kid as a parent, let him play baseball, or you oh. want him to start getting into sports, take him sure. play baseball. And it's become something more than just make, a, 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 I don't want to say a money scheme, but something to, to make a profit out of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the travel ball mm-hmm. uh, scenario, you know, is, is, uh, uh, I mean, it's good in one way because when you have that that upper tier of talent and ability to play the play the game, certainly travel ball prepares you to play the ball the, the game of ball in in high school and college and who knows after that, you know. But as far as being able to host a lot of kids recreationally, mm-hmm. travel ball does not have that capability. It just doesn't have the capability to host hundreds of kids. And, and recreationally for baseball, that's where the house league and, and comes into play. And, and then, you know, in my day, sandlap ball, because, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you don't need adults, you just go show up with your buddies, then you can have fun playing ball, but the kids just don't do that anymore. Yeah, no, it's a lot of, it's like, if they're not playing baseball, they're, they're quickly going to football or basketball. Those sure. are the two, the two main things, you sure. know, the uh, MLB, it's full with uh, majority. What I've seen, uh, it's, it's a lot of uh, Hispanics from other countries playing baseball. Uh-huh. There's not really, really any, you know, American, you know, born and bred here. A lot of them go straight to football. Yeah. Or, you know, when it's time for the tra- draft, they graduate college or university, you know, they, they football, or basketball. Those are the, yeah. the, the, the two most popular things now. So sure. you really won't. Um, yeah, it's it's there's a there's a possibility that the sport could be or, or maybe diminished in, in some point. Well, yeah, I, I would say it already is diminished because mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly not getting the, the same TV ratings you used to get, mm-hmm. nor is it getting the same fan attendance at the professional level. Uh, you can see that in the charts if, when you go out and do some research. Um uh, on my on my author side, author, author there's even I put 10, 10 articles on a, on the blog page where it talks about uh, uh, you know the, the the popularity of the sport diminishing and 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 you know and these are different articles from different areas of the country not all focused on one area. Yeah. So if your fans. Uh, of your show and want to take a look, they can go read up some of these articles and see what I'm talking about. Yeah. And also, you know, I think uh, we live in a time and where there's, I I think there's a difference between back then. It was like, you win, you lose, you know, you know, build character, personal development, you know, now, Right. You know, and not to judge anybody, but, you know, mostly schools and whatnot give a ribbon of participation and where everybody gets one. Sure, sure. 
And also, you know, when we played just amongst our friends without adult uh, intervention or supervision, you know, we learned very important skills. We learned conflict resolution. Think about that. Yeah. You had a conflict on the field, you know, runners out and all runners safe, and you had to you had to come to a resolution in order to continue to play the game. So, I mean, so the, you, you learn that skill uh, to play the game. You learn, uh, you know, the skills of, of teamwork and, uh, and also being prepared, right? I mean, you, you, you got to be prepared to uh, to go play the game, and, and which is kind of a, uh, a euphemism for life. I mean, you got to be prepared to, to play the game of life because uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's tough out there. Yeah, it, it, it teaches you how to work with others, uh, network right. with others as well, uh, how to play safe, because, you know, it's that's all falls in that character development, you know, yeah. because you you could be losing, but you, you have to compose yourself in a certain way that you can't walk out like you're a sore loser. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know, yet again, character building, you know, that's one of the things like my favorite sport was basketball. Sure. You know, not everybody knows it because I don't speak about it, but I, you know, I just to get down. I, 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 I'm very competitive and, and, sure. and with baseball too. And building that, <clears throat> that uh, you know, character development that helped me uh, deal with certain situations in life, sure. uh, knowing how to communicate teamwork. Like you said, that's all those things are very, uh, really fundamental things one should learn as you get older yeah absolutely continue to to live and and its world sure absolutely when you look at you know of all the sports still being played at the youth level you know basketball has got a bright future because you know the kids are still playing pickup games of basketball whether it's one-on-one two-on-two three-on-three whatever but you can still see kids you know if there's a basketball court in town in a park or wherever you can still see them playing uh, without adult supervision. So that that's a very healthy thing for the sport of, for the sport of basketball. Now in my, in my book, I, I put those components in there about, you know, uh, teamwork and, and uh, stuff like that, where the, the kids are, are trying to figure out the sport of baseball because they have no one that can teach them. And so, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's an element early on in the story where they're, where they're trying to work together to try and figure things out. So. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this much. I've just, you know, how do I even say this? Growing up, you know, because I lived in the, my, my community wasn't uh, key one, but there were certain communities they fo- focus on sports and recreation. Uh-huh. And you, you have these people that uh, would do the sport, would speak and teach with so much passion. Uh-huh. You know, even, you know, even if they never made it to big leagues or anything, they would speak with love and passion. Uh-huh. Right. And I find it now in days that it's not there. Everything is a profit. Right. Everything yeah. is you, you, you have to, you have to win. You know, there's no values. There's not that climax in where you had to, you know, bust your put, put in the war. Everything's it, it's is a business. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you if you ever saw a Moneyball, 
with uh, Brad Pitt and, and Jonah Hill. Yep. yep. You know, yep. which that technique what was uh from that point forward, if I you know correct me if I'm wrong, they started implementing that that technique of moneyball. Yeah. You know, buy wins, buy sure. you know. So I think that has killed the game in a sense, and where this is why it has decreased in a sense also. Absolutely. It's an excellent point because, uh, you know, when you talk to adults that, that by their own admission used to be fans in the game, a, a common thread is that they, they've been turned off by the whole money thing that, mm-hmm. that has, uh, I think, poisoned the game. Uh, we were, I was talking the other day about the shoeless Joe Jackson you know, the, from the White Sox scandal and how he was, he was banned from baseball for life for gambling. Mm-hmm. And now you go to a ballpark and there's gambling signs on the outfield wall. Oh man. Every five seconds. And, it, and it's like, what is going on here? I mean, what, I mean, uh, you know, Kennesaw mountain Landis, the famous uh, commissioner of baseball. He was the guy that, that banned uh shoeless Joe for life. But um, you know, I mean, he, he's got to be rolling over his grave. I mean, um, it's not to say that I am a, a rabid anti-gambler, but the 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 fact that you know you still the have times have evolved. The times has have evolved because at one point it wasn't permitted, but now that's all you get. Right, but the the the, the you still have Pete Rose mm-hmm. who has repeatedly apologized for for betting on games. Who's that? The Cincinnati, Cincinnati manager. Yeah, yeah, he was Cincinnati Reds, and and. Uh, uh, and they won't let them in. But then there, there's the hypocrisy of the fact that you go to the, the red stadium and there's gambling signs, you know, all, all over the ballpark. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. And, and, and adults see this. They're not stupid. They see this and they see the hypocrisy or they see other things uh, regarding the whole money issue of professional sports in particular. Uh, and it becomes a turnoff for them. So, and that's another factor that that uh, that helps uh, you know, put a put a chink in the armor of the, of the popularity. See, with with that right there, I don't think the problem was that he was gambling. I think the problem is that he was gambling, and the MLB wasn't able to profit. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, uh, because if if you know business wise, like if if you know, it's like the taxes, the government, if you don't get taxed, you're not paying the government, you're in problem. They get yeah. mad because they're not taking their cut. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if we live in a, in an age it's 2022 and where gambling is acceptable everywhere, uh-huh. you know, I think it's time to cut the man some slacks. Yeah. I mean, he, it's not like he was somebody that wasn't good at baseball. Oh, he was. Or didn't earn those amounts. Playing a game. Right. He was one of the best that ever played the game. I mean, Michael Jordan probably did the same thing, but nobody, they, they, they're not going to say that. Yeah. yeah. And he was, and, and, and he's a high gambler. Yeah. Yeah. So one um, thing I want to touch upon too, was that, you know, in my book, all that, all that junk is missing. What you have is you have this 12 year old boy and his buddies just like you remember when you were playing in Puerto Rico, like when I was playing in Oakland as kids, 
they just fall in love with the game and yes. they just want to play the game for the love of the game. The yes. money thing's gone. Uh, and when they, it doesn't matter if they win or lose, they all come together and they have a good time. They shake hands, you know, and it's for the love of the game is, is, is what catches their attention. And that clearly comes out in the story because people that are reading it, they're like, wow, this really brought back childhood memories of, of playing ball. And, and, uh, and you can really see just the love of the game and the storyline. So uh, I think I was successful in bringing that, that element to the story. Wow. That's, that's, and that's important. <laughs> that's important. Yeah, absolutely. You, you made me really my, when I, when, when I went through my own journey and where one of the reasons as a kid, we all stopped playing is because it wasn't fun anymore. Uh, all grownups came and mm. took over the park. Uh-huh. Who didn't even care about the park out of, out of, out of nowhere came now are managing it. Uh-huh. And, you know, everything's winning. They were taking people, original uh, players out, bring other players from other, other uh, burrios, put them in there because they wanted to win. And yeah. the whole the whole sole purpose was we just wanted to have fun. Yeah. You know, right. and like in the environment I grew up in, it was very uh it was not appropriate for, for children to uh grow up in that environment. Uh-huh. So when we had these activities, it was like everything else didn't matter. We were just being kids. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And once, you know, grownups came and started managing and, and doing their own thing, it, it kind of like just, it died for us. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and getting back to the story, I mean, uh, that, that part uh, really doesn't happen. Uh, it's the kids managing themselves and uh, learning the game themselves uh, and then trying to impart their knowledge to other kids to try and try and help uh, get other kids involved. So that's a very important part of the story. Dude, is it- uh, the other thing too, is that I don't want to mislead the, le- the readers either, because uh, I don't want them to think that this is some, you know, depressing tale about a second civil war and uh, all this, all this, you know, the whole thing's horrible. No, that's all been in the past. That's all in the past. The story starts, America's at peace, uh, and uh, it, it has recovered to a point where it was before the war. So there's, uh, there's self-driving cars, there's domesticated robots, uh, stuff like that. But yet there's still this mix of old and new. And there's been kind of a reset with the family um, that I put in the storyline as well, because um, one thing I see happening with the family dynamics now is that particularly the, uh, the old custom of, of the family dinner time. Uh, I don't know uh, what your, 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 your life was like as a, as a young boy, but when I was growing up every night without fail, the whole family gathered around and had supper together. And we, it was, a, it was a, it was a very important time to carve out and sit down at their dinner table and break bread and, share the day's triumphs and tragedies and, and the mundane parts of, of your day. And then also to, to encourage one another, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was a very, uh, I think therapeutic practice that we had to all sit down at dinner table and enjoy each other's company and enjoy the food. 
and uh, again to to listen and to to be heard and to encourage one another and and i think what we have today uh you know you have a lot of families where you know a meal is is in a fast food line on the way to a uh ballet practice or yeah. basketball practice or choir practice or whatever practice you know and then somebody's home eating alone uh, and then it's their turn to go out later and it's a, you got all this disjointed scheduling going on that keeps the family from gathering together on a regular basis especially at mealtime and uh so i i weave that back into the fabric of the culture of this future America after it's recovered from the war. This is a very important time to sit down at dinner time and, and to uh, and engage in all, all that positive stuff I just mentioned. I, I like it because it's hearing based on what you're saying is like, it, it brings so much value, Absolutely. especially family values. <clears throat> Absolutely. And just think about, well, when you go out just with, with, with friends or, or, or immediate family, go out to dinner somewhere and how, you know, I mean, I would, so I would say 99.9% of the times you come back and you feel good. You yeah. feel good. So if you, if you're having this on a, on a daily basis in the home, especially with young kids, that is incredibly valuable for a child to grow up with that kind of uh, memory and experience uh just around something as simple as the family dinner yeah i look i look forward reading reading this book uh it's i feel like this is you know a, a book like this is what we need right now yeah yeah absolutely and uh you know i am uh, full disclosure i am self-published so oh, nice. i'm the marketing director <laughs> <laughs> so it's very important for me to get out front and programs like yourself. So I, I'm very, very grateful, Dio, for your uh, extension uh, of an invitation to come on your show and, and talk about the book. And then the other thing that helps is obviously word of mouth and, and getting the word out there and uh, getting those reviews on Amazon because they're they really do help the rankings and, and the sales. And hopefully this thing can get a get ahead of steam because it is a very entertaining book. But also there is a deep, there is a deeper message in there that I think would benefit uh, the country, really, uh, to get it out there and have people have these discussions about, you know, faith and family and, and the current divisions in the country and where we could be headed uh, unless something comes along to alter uh, the trajectory that the country is on right now, because that's also very concerning. Yeah, 100%. Um, one last question before we go. If you if you had one word of advice, right, to anyone in the world that is struggling and uh, needs something to inspire them, what would you say? What would your advice be? To inspire them. Yeah. Um. Well, if they have a, a passion for something that they haven't really fully developed to uh, to begin pursuing that, like, for instance, if, you know, they've ever aspired to write a book, sit down and start writing, you know, uh, or if there's some other 
thing that they've had a passion for to uh, take whatever steps they could to start pursuing that passion. Uh, also, you know, as far as inspiration, well, I'm a man of faith. I'm not afraid to admit that. And I think that faith plays a very important part in, in, in a human being's life, especially, uh, you know, getting that true north compass heading. Uh, it can really uh, uh, inspire one to uh, uh, succeed in life and to be a, become a valuable asset to the community. Oh, very important. Um, before we go, tell the people where they can find the book, they can find you uh, and chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, authorwilliamrdouglas.com. It's my author, WilliamRDouglas.com portal. There's social media links out there. There's links to uh, Amazon, Apple, and Barnes & Noble. There's also a really powerful book trailer on the front page. Of yes, go check that out. Yes. It's, uh, it's getting very, very good reviews. It's, it's had over 5,000 views already, just wow. the book trailer alone. Uh, it really helps... Uh, uh, very quickly through a through a little synopsis uh, of the story of the book. So, um, and then uh, there's also when you go there, you can contact me by by email. I'll definitely respond if you uh, want to reach out to me. So, but uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, author mm-hmm. WilliamRDouglas.com, where you can just go to Amazon and and search for the death and resurrection of baseball. Boom. There you go. Uh, go support him. Go read this amazing book. Go purchase. Go show some love and support. And uh, say hi. Um, have a good night, guys. I'm out. Thanks, Dio. Thank a pleasure. You.